Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live an honest and honorable life. Today's guest is a repeat. It's Dr. Garth Davis, author of Proteinaholic, which I helped with. And today we talk about truth and truthiness and science and social media and how we can protect ourselves from lies, half lies, marketing disguised as science. Garth has been on a crusade since before I met him to set the record straight. And one of the problems he has is that he understands science and he understands things like regression analysis and multivariate and a lot of the people who are arguing against him simply do not. And as a result, if when they present a study that seems to prove something, even though it doesn't, even though it was a single data point, even though it was funded by questionable sources, even though it was a small trial with very few people with endpoints that had nothing to do with what the people are claiming it did, Though they're sexier and they get much more attention, especially those that tell us that our favorite sin foods are actually the healthiest ones for us. Butter, pork chops, bacon, coconut oil and butter in our coffee, all that sort of thing. So I wanted to talk with Garth about how he goes about both debating and honoring people who may disagree with him, but are using science and how he goes about trying to undercut the message of people who are really being disingenuous, who are simply trying to lie to promote an agenda that has nothing to do with human health or well-being. And at the end, we get into the most bizarre twist of all, which is this guy, this doctor who spends his life healing people and then the rest of his life writing about it with with long Facebook posts with dozens of links explaining all sorts, all measure of science, how he got embroiled in one of the largest Internet scams to date, where his likeness, his identity, his photo has been used to swindle people out of probably at this point, millions of dollars. And the, the irony of this is tragic. And for someone who's interested in doing radio shows, pretty delicious. So we get into that at the end and extract some lessons for all of us about how to protect ourselves from information born disease, information born misery, information born 
calamity. Before we get to it, a couple of announcements. One is, if you're not a sustainer of the show, this is a really good time to pitch in. Uh, I won't say more than that, but if you have... Um, the means to support the show on a monthly basis with a couple of bucks, you can just do so. Go to patreon.com and search for Plant Yourself, or you can go to plantyourself.com and search for Patreon on the right sidebar. It's commutative. Second thing is we are starting a brand new cohort of WellStart Health. Uh, it's the end of August. It'll be next Monday, the 26th, I believe. We've got lots of goodies for people who want to sign up for that, including included blood pressure cuff and scale that are Bluetooth enabled and sync with the platform. Uh, other goodies, including a 15 minute coaching call with me and a 15 minute call with one of our dietitians. And those we have not offered those two benefits before for people who are just signing up for the program. So um, get in while you can. This is the, uh, you know, back to school, back to fall, back to after whatever you've been doing for the summer to kind of uh, refocus on what's most important on health, on performance, on feeling good in your body, on feeling good and looking at yourself in the mirror and on training yourself. This is, you know, well start as a gem for habits and behaviors, training yourself to be the person you want to be the person who is in charge in control, the alpha of your own habits and behaviors. So you can find out more and sign up for that at wellstarthealth.com slash program. And finally, a reminder, if you haven't yet read Sick to Fit, the book that I wrote with Josh Lajani, it's available for free on Kindle. It's available as a paperback from Amazon, and it's also available with Josh and me reading it from audible.com. And if you have read it and you haven't yet left a review on Audible or Amazon, that would be much appreciated. We, the reviews have been slowing down and we need them to keep going so that Amazon keeps showing the book to new people. This past weekend, I was at the Triangle Veg Fest in Durham, North Carolina, and a couple of people came up to me and said they found me. They found the Veg Fest. They found the book just searching on Amazon. They weren't they didn't know about us. They didn't know about me. They didn't know even about necessarily plant based living, but they were searching and Amazon showed it to them. So the more reviews we get, and certainly the more positive ones, the more Amazon will show this and bring people into the fold. All right, well, let's get to the main event, a conversation about truth, truthiness and protecting ourselves on the internet. Without further ado, Dr. Garth Davis, welcome back to the Plant Yourself podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Howard. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about like your evolution as a as a public figure, as an expert, as an authority, um, you know, like what you said, like you're tired of talking about protein. So. I am tired of talking about protein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've kind of beaten that uh, to death, although it's still, you know, I feel like we've beaten it to death. But then, you know, on a daily basis, someone still asks me, where do I get my protein from? So I guess uh, uh, we got to keep uh, we got to keep it going. Yeah. Right. But, you know, so for people who don't know, you, you wrote this book, Proteinaholic, you um, are, are, I guess, with your help, I helped. I'll, yeah. I'll admit to that. Yeah. It's, I was just I was just rereading it in preparation of this interview. I'm going, this is a great book. You know what? The funny thing, I did the same thing. Um, I was uh, Dr. Oz was going to interview me about the book. And um, and so I was like, God, I haven't read the book in a while. And I reread it. I was like, oh, my God, this is 
this was pretty good. We, we yeah. had a lot of research in there. It was yeah. really good. Right. But when I met you, like th th there was already a manuscript, like, you know, it needed some mm -hmm. some stuff, but essentially the work was done. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, I mean, I'd already gone on that kind of like, a, oh, my God, there's something I'm missing in my medical practice and I better search for it. And uh, of course, it was food and specifically it was plants and and maybe the resounding uh, message I got through the literature that, you know what, more protein is not better. In fact, it could be worse. And you know, right. I had already done that and just needed to put it towards. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm curious first, like before you wrote the book, like you said, you wrote the book because you were tired of saying the same thing to your patients. Mm -hmm. Like, can you remember the moment in your practice when you realized you had to, you knew enough that you had to change how you were talking to patients? Yeah. It's interesting because, um, I, I never want to be that guy that that tells a patient to do something anecdotally. Like I, I see these doctors out there that they went on a diet and they lost weight, so therefore they think that is the diet that all patients should do, and that's you know craziness. That's not science. And so um, I had, there was a couple things happening at the same time, and I talk about it in the book. But um, but I had high cholesterol. I found out, and I had. Um, not just high cholesterol, but I also had fatty liver and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, I've got the same problems my patients have. And yes, I changed my diet and yes, it cured me, but I changed my diet for myself because I went over all the research and I was like, oh, not that this is going to help me, but it might help all of my, my, my patients too. But I never, I, I remember very clearly thinking, I'm not going to re recommend a diet until I am sure that I have looked at this, you know, a million different times in a million different ways and in in a very different fashion than I see done on the internet now I didn't one study does not prove anything I didn't want to look at one study and say and as you can see uh, in the structure of the book I wanted to say okay well what are the healthiest people in the world eating because if we're the least healthy population in the world I want to know what the most healthy populations in the world are eating but again that's a univariate analysis. You can't say, well, this population eats plants and they live a long time. Therefore, plants make you live a long time. You need some epidemiology with some control for confounders. So it's called multivariate regression analysis. So really good epidemiology to tell us, yeah, there is something behind this. And then, well, if there's something behind it, what is that something? So a mechanism of action. And then a randomized control trial to prove your mechanism of action. So I had a very... Um, systematic way I wanted to look at the science. And once I was convinced about that, that's when I started using it with patients. All right. See, but what you just said is the problem right there, because you used a bunch of words that most people don't understand, like regression analysis, multivariate, um, you know, randomized controlled trial. And the people who are arguing the other thing are showing single studies that are really clear. Oh, you know, it's, it's hilarious to me because um, like today on Instagram, someone posted a thing that said heart healthy foods and it listed butter and tallow and organ meat. And I, and I just went on there. I was like, OK, you're going to say that. Fine. Just show me some data. And the, so the person's response was all the data you post is um, epidemiology, and it's all been um, debunked. They love to use the word debunk. What are you talking about? They're like, they, I, they, in their mind, first of all, I love it when a lay person who knows nothing about science says that he's debunked a whole, you know, field of science, you know, with PhDs and experts. It's just crazy. But what gets me is that 
they, they, I think they seem to think epidemiology is univariate analysis, which means they think what we're saying is, oh, this population eats plants and they live long, therefore it's the plants. We're doing much more than that. We're taking a look at a population and what they eat and we're controlling. We're saying, well, let's not, smoking is a risk factor for heart disease, so let's remove everybody that smokes. Um, exercise, you know, so one group exercises, one group doesn't, well, that could be a confounder. So let's remove all those people. Let's get Basically, let's look at the same people where the only variable is the food. And let's look, not just the food, let's look specifically where the only variable is saturated fat, et cetera, et cetera. So we get very specific in these studies. And I mean, these are studies that are done by brilliant statisticians that go through the stuff and comb through it like crazy. And, you know, the lay person online is like, oh, all your, all your science has been debunked. What kind of nonsense is that? But that's what we deal with in this world. Yeah. So do you do you remember a patient when you decided, OK, you know what? I read the research. I've changed my own diet. I'm confident. Like what what kind of reaction did you like? Is there a patient you remember when you started this this new yes. way of practicing medicine? Yeah, there's a few patients. I could remember a whole group of patients. Like, I, I remember giving kind of we do I do support groups with my patients. So the first time I really talked about it was in a support group where I said to them, you know, it's kind of weird, but, you know, in my first book, I talked about everybody eating protein. I've told you guys to eat a lot of protein, but I've been doing the science that shows differently. The hard thing to measure is that patients seldom go all the way with my recommendations. So I'm going to recommend a whole food plant-based diet. The patients don't go completely whole food, but not some of them do, but not all of them do. And so it's hard for me to say, oh, there was this huge shift all of a sudden, but there was a palpable shift because I do diet logs with people. And very quickly, I was seeing, you know, before I'm seeing all protein foods, protein, I, I shouldn't even say that because, you know, beans are protein foods too. I would see meat, dairy, eggs, meat, dairy, eggs, meat, dairy, eggs. And now I was starting to see some other foods in there. And I, I could remember very tangibly um, going through this change myself while many of my patients are going through it and having discussions with them about Oh my God, I feel great. I'm like, I do too. This really does work. It's crazy. Uh, so yeah, I can, I can remember that pretty clearly. Mm -hmm. But you so see, you wrote the book partly because you would like the, the story you tell in the book is you told someone to eat more, you know, fiber rich foods, plants, and then they came back, showed you their food log and it was like, you know, jerky. And you're like, oh, yeah. where's that was a little bit. Yeah. That was getting a little bit later on because the more I got the more I saw people respond to this this message and the better changes I saw in them. And then, of course, the more research that kept coming out, the more I started saying, OK, I've really got to change people's diets. And so then I was like, OK, this is it. This really does work. I'm going to start changing people's diets. And then when the diet doesn't change, that's when I really started getting frustrated. When I would tell people, you got to eat plants and if there's a snack, eat an apple. And then they come to see me and I look at their diet log and there's a protein bar instead of an apple. Oh, Why would you eat the protein bar? Well, because it's got protein. That's when I really started saying like, because my challenge became protein. My challenge in getting people to eat a higher plant-based diet was that they were worried about protein. And that's how I really got to writing that book was that became the biggest challenge because the biggest question I got was, but where am I going to get my protein? So uh, you you went from being a very sort of naive consumer of, of science, like, oh, what's out there? Oh, blue zones. That's really interesting to then, you know, collecting thousands of studies. When when did you start? Well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was naive in science. So no, I, but you, you were naive about what the science said. 
like, with nutrition. But yeah. I knew how to read science. Right. So I had I, I had been a student of science in in uh, more specifically in surgery uh, and in my surgery. So I had the like the acumen to understand how to evaluate an article for its validity. Right. Like I had the ability to pick up an article and say, like most people, they go on PubMed and they read the abstract. And that's not the way you should read science. It, the abstract is somewhat subjective. Oh, it, it's got, you know, it summarizes the article, but I want to know specifically the methods they used for that study. I want to know how they designed it. And then I want to look at the results specifically before I ever start reading their conclusions, because it's in the conclusion section, which most people jump to, where it becomes subjective and they start adding in things. Mm -hmm. Right. So I knew how to do this. I knew how to do this before. I had just never done it towards nutrition, because quite frankly, I never really thought about nutrition affecting us that much. I know that sounds stupid, but as a surgeon, someone was overweight. It was a problem with their intestines I had to fix. It sounds dumb saying this now, but in Western medicine, we just didn't have much training in nutrition, and it it just wasn't brought up as the cause of these disease processes. And so my thought process was, you know, throw medicine at it, throw surgery at it, not throw food at it. And so I had the science behind the medicine and the surgery. I just never applied that science to the nutrition. Right. And I guess that's what I meant by being naive yeah, like you know, I, I mean, that, like in a really nice way. Like you had yeah, no, yeah, you no, had no I, preconceptions. You right. went at, at, a, at a certain point, you went from being a consumer, a reader of the science, to being, I would say, a curator on your sure. way to on your way to being an expert. When did you start your social media? Pay, you know, your Facebook page and your Instagram, right. and what yeah, was so it? Can I, you remember I, like the first post you made? Vaguely, I do. Yes, I, it, it all happened because so I, I'm doing these studies and I'm, I'm getting all the science. And I mean, I felt like um, like I was Nicolas Cage in a movie, you know, where there, he's on a quest to find the treasure map or whatever it is, because <laughs> it really became like this. Oh, my God. How did I not know this experience? Like, oh, my God, how is this science out there? And I didn't know this. And so I wanted to tell people about the science. And I got in contact with HarperCollins publisher because they had published a couple other authors um, that had talked about plant-based diets. And I talked to the guy and I was like, look, I, I want to get this message out there. It's not just that we should eat plants. It's that protein is not nearly as important as we thought it was. It may actually be harmful. And he's like, that's awesome idea. And I would love to do that, but you need to have a Facebook presence. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, people have to follow you. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try. And so I, I started and I started posting and people started sharing. And it, he wanted me to have 15,000 followers before he would publish the book. So um, for, that, that came very quickly. I got 15,000 followers and then we started. Did you do anything to get followers except just post good stuff? Just post, just post. yeah. Yeah. It's funny when I sometimes I'll look back at old posts and stuff and there's like, you know, 10 likes or 15 likes or something like that. And I was like, look, 15 people like this. It's very interesting. Yeah. Right. Like as of today, you've got like 107,000 likes yeah. on the page. Yeah. Um, so what was like, okay, so he says, okay, you got to have a Facebook page. What did you think you were going to post? Like, was it just, was it memes? Was it, was it like, cause you got, no. you came to my attention because you were posting these really long ass discussions yes. of like, that had 20 links in them. Right. And that's what it was. I, I thought, what well, if I'm going to do this, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. And I don't want to do a meme because science is so much more complicated than that. And I thought to myself, 
this would be a good testing ground for the book because the book I'm kind of surprised at how well the book's done because it is pretty scientific. Uh, and so um, I thought I, this is what I'm going to try this out. I mean, people are talking nonsense out there. I'm going to bring the actual science with links. And if people like it, great. If they don't, they're not going to like my book. So maybe I shouldn't do uh -huh. it. So it kind of started as a testing ground. And I tested, you know, a lot of the concepts. Like I'm going to post something as radical as sugar doesn't cause diabetes. And I'm going to give all the different posts for that and, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. What did you uh, discover or learn from people's reactions if they started, you know, what they liked, what they didn't like, what comments? Because, you know, yeah. you, you get you get a lot of hate on that page. Oh, I, get a, I get a lot of hate. You should have seen the hate I got for put, drizzling some olive oil on my uh, tomato. And, uh, <laughs> and you'd, like you'd think I would have killed someone. Ridiculous. <laughs> the world's ridiculous. But um, I, I've seen a, a, a lot of interesting things. There are a lot of interested people that are far more intelligent than they get credit for. So I, it's funny enough now, when I talk to doctors about nutrition, I used to have two different talks. One I would give to the layperson and one I would give to physician audiences. They've kind of merged into one talk now because lay people are actually, they could, they could understand this stuff far more than I, I would think I could understand it if I hadn't studied it all these years. Um, so there's a lot of intelligent people out there that are very interested in the science and are very interested in this new take of, oh, wow, science is much more comprehensive than just reading, you know, a PubMed, uh, just anecdote. Um, also, there are people out there that it simply doesn't matter what the science tells them. They are not going to listen to you. And funny enough, the people that know the least are the most likely to be like that. And those people are also the most likely to be the most vehement, you know, ad hominem attack. There was a great study on what's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. So, you know, the Dunning-Kruger effect? Um, not off the top of my head. So basically what the Dunning-Kruger effect is, is that, that the people that know the least will think that they know the most. Okay. And they did a study of this with um, vaccines and autism. Uh, and they got a group of people and they asked them about their views on vaccines and autism and asked them all kinds of questions about autism and all kinds of questions about vaccines. And sure enough, the people that knew the absolute least about the science behind vaccines and the science behind autism were the people that were most, most vehemently stating that vaccines cause autism. Mm -hmm. And so I see that all the time, this Dunning-Kruger effect. I mean, these people that, they, I mean, they know nothing. Like, I would never, like, go online and someone's talking about stock market or something that I know nothing about and get on there and be like, you know nothing about what you're talking about because I saw this YouTube video. I mean, someone the other day was arguing with me and they sent me a Wikipedia link. It, it's ridiculous. You're going to argue with me with a Wikipedia link or a YouTube video? I mean, one guy sent me a YouTube video on climate change. He sends me a YouTube video from this absolute shill scientist who isn't even a climate scientist, who um, uh, who Trump has hired to help debunk uh, science and pay. He gets paid, you know, pretty well from uh, oil and gas. But this guy saw his YouTube video and is sure that he now is the expert uh, because he saw this YouTube video and he's going to tell me how little I know. It's it's preposterous to, you know, to, to make these statements like your your science has been debunked or like a lot of guys are like, 
everything you do is epidemiology. I mean, we had tons of randomized controlled trials in our book, but people think that because they haven't read the study, therefore it doesn't exist. It's it, the, the level of some of it's stupidity to me. I mean, some of it's just pure stupidity. Some of it's just they don't want to hear anything against their, their current mm-hmm. beliefs. They don't want to be challenged in that way. Um, but that, that kind of stuff is very common. Yeah, well, I mean, you you wrote about you know, the the uh, stages or the the uh, symptoms of denialism. Yes. Right. Yes. So so like we like this wasn't this wasn't new, but you know so so at the same point at the same time there's a whole bunch of people, and you know we're see. We, and I think when we were working on the book, we didn't realize it was going to become like this national epidemic about everything. Like about everything. America yeah. is like Dunning-Kruger writ yeah. large. Yeah, it's crazy. We, we didn't. We knew about it in nutrition. But I didn't know it would go through. I mean, now we see it. I see it in so many different places. I mean, people think the world is flat and any expert telling them. They bet this. We talked about it a bit in our book, but this appeal to authority. They hate it when you appeal to authority. And I'm like. Why wouldn't you appeal to authority? I mean, I want to know what someone who's studied this their entire life thinks. Why would I not appeal to authority? Why would I appeal to a YouTuber or an influencer uh, to make it? So it's funny. Yeah, you're right. We talked about things that we're now seeing as part of this administration and in the kind of the world culture of, you know, facts don't matter anymore. Yeah. So there, there is that large group of people. And and then there's the true believers who, you know, whatever you say will cheer and they're, they're probably, you know, no more educated, but they, you know, they they like us instead of the other yeah. team. Right. Um, and so, you know, and then when you commit a heresy, like put olive oil on, like, you know, they can freak out because now it's like, you know, who do, who do I believe, mommy or daddy? Because Essie yeah, says... Yeah, they get so... Because Esselstyn says, don't put oil, they're going to freak out. And, and I put in the thing, like, look, you can freak out all you want, but there's science about this. And, and the funny thing is, in the article, I, in the in the post, I, I talk about, you know, this is only a drizzle. Don't use it if you're trying to lose weight, et cetera, et cetera. I put the little caveats in there. But the science behind the olive oil is long and plentiful. Uh, and, you know, just coming out and saying, well, Esselstyn says not to do that. It's just as bad as someone saying, well, meat eaters do, uh, mm-hmm. you know, meat's good for you. It's, it's all the same problem. Right. It's just, yeah, you're right. They pick different teams. Right. So what fascinates me about sort of following your public career is like you're speaking to the people, to the reasonable people in the middle who don't necessarily agree with you, but are right. open minded. So you'll and, and you get My it. Favorite people. So I can think of like first there was um, with Denise Minger mm-hmm. um, with like, you know, shocking to me that you would like consider like, you know, figuratively shaking her hand like no she's the enemy she attacked colin you know and and then there was um yeah but there's a difference because denise attacked but with science so she actually built a good scientific argument her attack on our book while i could counter all of the attacks was a well thought out very well organized worthy of a response type type attack, which is very different than your science has been debunked, you know nothing, eat meat, bacon, uh, you know, that's a two different things. Okay. And then there was uh, Z-Dog. Yeah. And, you know, Z-Dog was going to, afterwards, Z-Dog became very friendly with me and he was going to have me on, but I, you know, he didn't want to debate me directly. Um, he wanted to get an expert and then the expert he chose kind of backed out and I don't know, that never happened, but him and I are still, we still seem to uh, get along quite a, mm. quite a bit of 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, but you were you were interested in in that relationship. Like it didn't. Yeah. It was you know, it's like two prize fighters. You know, they'll they'll get together on the ESPN promo and like you know, snarl at each other. But they're they're on the same team. Like in, yeah. Like the other day, I did a I did, I did a video with this guy Bart K. He was a scientist himself, so I thought, okay, I'll do it because he's a scientist. But his views are just so far completely they just there's just not a lot of science behind it. And so I just lost it. Now he wants to debate again. It's, it wasn't a debate. There was just no science to debate. Um, a, a nice enough guy, but I just didn't I just didn't see my, this going anywhere. Uh, like his followers are zealot and they're not going to change and he's not going to change. And I'm not going to learn anything from him because I really quite honestly, I'm just interested in science. I don't opinion matters nothing to me. Um, and so. That just wasn't working. But, uh, for instance, the guy Spencer Nadolsky. Mm -hmm. And Spencer um, Spencer's a brilliant guy. Uh, and we've got our differences. We also have a lot of our similarities. He tried a vegan diet and did extremely well on it, which still kills me because he did extremely well and then went off of it. Um, but, you know, I'm always going to respect his opinion. And he's always going to make fun of me if one of my opinions is too far-fetched. And that's the kind of relationship I could learn from and I, and I enjoy. And that's the kind of debate that I love. I, I just don't like it when it gets into the zealot type stuff. And that, that just kills mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So how do you like you? You are you know, you, you killed on the doctors. Like people were saying, like you really represented, you know, not just our point of view, but science really well. Yeah. How do you approach like the doctors is a public TV show. It's built around intrigue and sensationalism and controversy to some extent, the way everything for public consumption is how did you prepare and think about what you wanted to do? And I'll say, you know, to set the scene, maybe you could set the scene about what, you know, who, what they were talking about and what they wanted you to comment on. Well, the doctors actually, I did not like that appearance at all because I wasn't prepared for what they did. They were, I knew they were going to, first it was just having us on to talk about what the hell. So I thought, okay, yeah, great. I knew that they had some problems with some of the statements and what the health, like a lot of people have, uh, their biggest thing is sugar and diabetes, uh, which was one of my favorite topics to talk about. And they had the issue with smoking and eggs. Um, but what I so then I hear a day or two before that Lustig is going to be on there. Um, and mm -hmm. Lustig is, you know, a famous researcher. Um, I'd love a chance to debate Lustig. So I thought maybe it'd be me and Lustig talking about some of his. And his, his whole thing is sh sugar is, is sugar evil. Definitely. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I thought, okay, I'd love to debate Lustig. And so I'll be prepared for that. What I wasn't prepared for is that we get there and they put us in the audience, you know, kind of like low down and are sitting above us and, that they would have, they have some guy in the audience next to us. I don't even know who he is, like an uh, exercise therapist or something. They've got lusting and all of them attacking us and not giving us a chance to, to even make our case. And that was pretty frustrating. That's when I started yelling at them. And some of it obviously got edited, but it was, the, it was just ridiculous. And that's where I started yelling. Like, this is absolutely the most unscientific discussion. We're not talking science at all. Um, and did, you know, did, did Lustig it. agree with you about that? No, Lustig would never agree with, I mean, Lustig said a few kind of, I don't remember what was in the show and what was cut, but he said, look, Garth and I have debated this because we had just debated at the plant Trishan conference. We had each given an opposing, uh, uh, presentation. Um, and so, um, I mean, had it just been Lustig and I, we could have probably had a civilized con conversation, but then I kind of had to lash out at Lustig too, because 
he was presenting one of his papers where he didn't even have a control group, which how do you have a paper where you have a experimental group and not a control group to compare it to? So, you know, I started having to lash out. It was, it, it became too much of a lashing out and no one actually sitting uh-huh. down and talking about the science. Mm-hmm. So what, what did you learn from that experience that, you know, guiding your, your, just your acceptances of invitations going forward? No, I'd still accept the invitation because <laughs> because all I'll do is if we're not going to talk science, I'm going to call you out on the fact that we're not talking science. You know, I'll go on Joe Rogan tomorrow. I mean, uh, you know, um, Joe at one point was going to have me on and then backed out. And I, I don't know if he just doesn't really want the to have someone who's going to go in there and truly challenge him. But he I mean, he's had some people that have challenged him on this issue. Uh, I mean, he's had he had um, Rich Roll and he's had. Um, John Joseph, but, uh, you know, yeah, kind of, uh, Dr. Khan too, right? Yeah. Dr. Khan too. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, you know, I'm going to bring the science if I go on there and if, if he brings on someone, yeah, you know, I got frustrated in Joel's one because the guy was just the guy he was debating was just not bringing science at all. But Joe was, you know, cheering on the guy, you know, bringing the no science. Obviously if I was there, that wouldn't be tolerated. So how do you how do you see yourself kind of as you know, you're you're this, you know, no holds barred debater like you are you're going to bring the science because you like you you really want the truth to come out. And whether if you don't if you yeah. don't have the truth and someone else does like you're hungry for it, how, how yeah. do you how do you um, just sort of interpersonally like you make friends with these people? You're like you're friendly with Denise, I think with what was Ben Greenfield I'm not so I'm not friendly with them, but uh, we've had or collegial before collegial. Yeah. 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 Look, I respect. Um, again, it's, it goes back to the to the noise that you hear about with, with people without any kind of background or any kind of knowledge about the stuff for someone. If someone could make a good argument, I'm going to respect that argument. I mean, if you're going to make a good argument with science, I'll respect that. If you're going to call out my science and give me specifically what's wrong with my science, I could respect that. Uh, our scientific argument, I, I hate to tell all the vegans out there, is not perfect. You know, I can't go on here and tell you that the vegan diet is the perfect diet and the only diet for health. Um, I There's never been a study showing someone with a high plant-based but some, um, you know, wild-raised meat. They're just That kind of stuff hasn't been done. And so I can't comment on that. I could infer from my science, I could infer that vegans do better ve- than vegetarians in the Adventist Health Study to make me say that even a little bit of meat is not good. But can I prove that? No. And so I don't know everything and I can respect another person's views if they can present science to support their views. But to get on and say, you know nothing and, you know, uh, me who's never treated a single patient or read a single scientific article or been to a single scientific meeting says this. The other thing that I get, I really dislike when doctors make posts about things that they can't back up at all. Like, you know, especially when heart disease is our number one killer to be saying that, oh, butter is good for your heart. You just can't make that statement. You cannot make a statement that butter is good for your heart. You can't make that statement. You could say, I think butter is good for your heart because it's natural. Da, da, da. But you can't go up there and tell people to eat butter. It's crazy. <laughs> right. But, and, and people are getting that from like, so, you know, doctors and scientists are, aren't taking the time that you took to 
to like, you know, read the original paper. Yeah. So the original paper that got this better thing going, first of all, was completely funded by industry. Second of all, never said butter was good for you. That's not what they said. They said saturated fat may not cause heart disease. Right. Or may, may not cause heart disease more than unsaturated fat. More than unsaturated fat. That's what they said. Now, there's been many studies since and before showing that that was quite different. And of course, in that study, they controlled for cholesterol, meaning if you had high cholesterol, they called that an independent factor as a risk factor for heart disease. So those people were taken out of the equation. So they were just looking at people that ate saturated fat but didn't get heart disease because they didn't get high cholesterol. But most people that eat saturated fat get high cholesterol. You understand what I'm saying? They took out they, they purposefully controlled for cholesterol because they knew that was a mechanism by which saturated fat contribute to atherosclerosis. So the layperson's not going to be able to do that kind of scientific analysis. And they're going to be like, oh, saturated fat doesn't cause heart disease. Therefore, I'm going to eat um, butter. And I, look, if someone says there are studies that show that saturated fat doesn't cause heart disease. Yeah, there are studies that show that. But there's no study that shows that saturated fat is good for you. That doesn't that doesn't exist. Right. So I, I'm wondering, do you think that like we're worse off now with the sort of the democratization of this with what looks like science compared to I like when I was a kid, yeah. you know, there were experts and like yeah. I wouldn't know where to look up something on PubMed or that it even, right. you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're 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 we're, we're way worse off. I, I saw I heard this excellent um, analysis of um, they were comparing Orwell to um Aldous Huxley. And I thought it was fascinating because they said what Orwell worried about was a control of information. Like we weren't going to be allowed information and it was going to be controlled by certain people that would control our mind by controlling information. Huxley quite geniusly predicted this. And I don't know if you've read Huxley much, but he geniusly mm -hmm. predicted the fact that we would have way too much information, so much information that it would all become relative and we would fall into this kind of relativism mm. where we wouldn't be able to find truth in the sea of information. And that's where we are right now. There's just way too much information. The layperson should not be on PubMed. They, they, first of all, you can't get the full article. I could get the full article because um, I've got uh, my hospital's um, ability to, to access the full article. But the, the layperson out there can't get the full article. They don't know the full breadth of research that comes before and maybe it's come after the article they, they've studied. They've never been to a scientific meeting where we tear apart these articles. They don't know how to analyze it. So they, the, the lay person has just no, I, I hate to say it, people are like, oh, that's so, uh, you know, I don't know, cocky of you to say that. But it, it's, it's like speaking a different language, sciences. And if you don't know that language, reading that article could really throw you off. Well, I imagine there's a lot of people out there who, you know, might disagree with you. But if push came to shove, they would rather you do their operation than yeah. than their cousin Bert. Right. I mean, we trust science when it comes to like building our cars and building our planes and me operating on you. But we just seem to not trust science when they think that they know more than us. Uh, but, it, you know, it's just crazy. <laughs> All right. So. Um, you you talked about like, you know, PubMed really being kind of out, out of reach. What do we do? 
Like you're, you know, you've, you've jumped into the fray. You're like, do we educate? Do we try to educate people? Because like things, things you report, you, you posted something, I think, yesterday um, on your Facebook page or two days ago about people quitting the Trump administration and no, yeah. no more scientists. And so right. like, like before, even OK, so like 10 years ago, the Internet was full of BS and everybody's arguing. But there was like, you know, wonky groups of people who were insulated from that just looking you know because i my some of my neighbors worked for the epa and they were you know they were lovely people but like really boring in, in, a, yeah, in right, the right, in right. the best possible way right, like right. what does the science say or people who are working for you know human services or like right. who, what what do these research say about this study or that study but it, it feels like the um you know that everything's been thrown out at the highest levels yeah, you know, it's funny because the real scientist, because I'm not the real scientist, I'm just reporting this stuff. I mean, I, I take it and apply it in a clinical setting, which is important because a lot of scientists don't, they're not in the clinical setting to see their science working. So I'm kind of in an ideal situation in that part. But the real scientists, the, the, the real people doing the science, they're not on Twitter. They're not on Facebook and all that stuff. They don't care what some, they don't care about some guys like, oh, the scientists don't know what they're talking about. That like I know these guys and to them, it's like, I don't how stupid for me to react to those people. Uh, and so they're not hearing from the real scientists, you know, even like even in the nutrition world, people like Walter Willett and stuff like that. They're not answering the tax. I'm the idiot who's down there <laughs> fighting these guys for God knows what reason. But I'm fighting them because no one else is fighting them. Well, you so I, I mean, you're, like, you're like Bill Nye, right, who gets on his knees every so often and says, for God's sakes, you're not 12 years old anymore. Grow up. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I want. I just want people like, come on, don't like, you know, uh, just, you know, listen to someone else for for one second. What do we do? I don't know what we do. I, I guess we just keep presenting the information as best we can. Try to educate people. I mean, like I watched this um, this uh, Netflix documentary the other day on Cambridge Analytica. And it's fascinating how easily people are duped. Don't be don't be a sheep. You know, don't and and people got to learn that there's a difference between skepticism and denialism. All right, skepticism says I'm going to question. I'm going to question you. I'm going to question, and I'm going to come up with reasons to question and all that kind of stuff. But don't get so dogmatic that you question so much that you become one of these people that there's nothing that could convince you outward. Then you become a denialist. And people could say to you, well, you're vegan and you're, it's not true. I mean, I'm vegan, but I'm not, I, I could tell you where I've got flaws in my argument. And, um, uh, and for the most part, I'm vegan because of ethics. You know, we're not talking mm -hmm. ethics here. We're talking science. But if you were going to challenge me that, for instance, eating fish is good for you, I'm going to have a hard time arguing with you. I could argue with you about fish being horrible for the environment. Mm -hmm. I could argue with you about ethics of eating fish, but I can't argue with you on the health with fish. I can't. Um, I won't mention his name, but one of the, one of the um, big time plant-based speakers got really angry with me about this. Like, how, how could you tell people that fish is good for you? I, I, I don't tell people. I'm just telling people what science shows, okay? Yeah. That's all I'm telling you. Well, I remember uh, you should, I, was, I was reading the article from, I think it was the Adventist 2 trial, and the fish eaters did slightly better than the vegans. And I'm like, I do not, I do not like this study. Can we? <laughs> right, right. I don't like that study either. But, but it look, it's the fact. The pescatarians did better than the vegans, and it's probably because they're getting omega three, and the vegans aren't. And uh, 
there, you know, we could, you know, talk circles around that study. And, you know, all of a sudden we start becoming like these other guys, like, oh, it's just epidemiology. That, you know, <laughs> we start using the same arguments they're using. Um, and the funny thing is everyone uses the same. I like at this point in time, after all this debating, I know every argument anybody's going to throw at me at any given time. Uh, it, that's why I'm like, if Joe Rogan called me and wanted me to come on tomorrow to, to debate with anybody, there would be no prep. <laughs> you know, I, I know, I know exactly. They, they use the same tired arguments over and over again. It's like they had like a little meeting and said, these are going to be our arguments. And they just propagate them all through. Right. Uh, same with anti-vaxxers. It's the same thing. Everybody's got the same arguments, same. And it's so unbelievably unscientific. Um, but, but I guess I don't, the, the real question, what do we do? And I don't know what the answer to that is, except kind, kind of show people, like I like, the thing I liked about that Netflix documentary is it kind of showed people how vulnerable we are to, to being influenced. And I want people to kind of snap out of that and start being a little bit more analytical and realizing that there aren't absolute answers and that there are people that are talking pretty credibly and that there, you should relate a little bit on your common sense. I think you could common sense tell when there's someone crazy talking and when there's someone not. I think humans may have lost that ability. I remember watching, yeah. you know, the dog whisperer, you know, Caesar Milan's show. Yeah, yeah. He would say like dogs would never follow an unstable alpha. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, right, right. But humans right. somehow well, we got an unstable alpha. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I'm curious, like, um, you know, the, the the place you have influence over the next generation. You've you've got a couple of kids. Do, do you think about like training them to be good consumers of of science and knowledge? Like, do you? Oh, wow. I haven't really. I mean, they're 10 and 12, so um, they would yeah. listen to me for about one second on that topic. Um, but I, I, I think I'm more trying to just train them to be good people and to be conscious of uh, the effect they have in the world and, and the effect they have on other people. And, you know, they're vegetarian. They're not vegan. Um, I, I get cautious of my kids being overzealous with them because I don't want to... Uh, have thousands of dollars in psychiatric bills later on and eating disorders and things like that. So, um, so I try to be, let them come to it as, as they come to it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I do. I love talking to med schools. Um, and, and when I do, when I've talked to, uh, in a med school populations and, and to doctors, I, I definitely love talking to doctors because I think doctors lose sight of how to analyze nutritional science. And so I do try to give them uh, my talk when I talk to them is not entirely just, oh, protein isn't good for you, and these are the studies. Uh, I shouldn't say protein isn't good for you, but too much protein isn't good for you. Um, I also specifically go into how you've been duped by other studies, because doctors can be just as bad as lay people as, oh, you know, I, I read the study, and it said that, you know, low carb is good for you. It's like, well, did you really read that study? Let me, you know, show you. <laughs> All right. I mean, one thing that really struck me is that, like you're, you're teaching your daughters, you're trying to teach your daughters to be good people. It feels like like on some level, you and I are talking, we're writing books, we're sharing facts, but the under, you know, the underlying receptivity of people, the medium is either are people like good people, open minded, like it feels like like rejection of science isn't an intellectual decision. It's like an emotional wounding. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I, I think, um, you know what, and, I, and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody else, I think the situation we've we're in right now has so painted us like i guess 
when you when you think about it, you think, oh, science is dead and everybody's stupid. But that's really not the case. I mean, if you look at the comments on my on my posts and stuff, the vast majority of them are positive. And there's many that might challenge me in a very nice, respectful, we have a respectful conversation way. There's only a few idiots that are posting. There's only a, you know, again, you know, Trump lost the popular vote uh, and probably would have lost it even worse if Bernie supporters had come out. I mean, th- my point here being that I think there's a lot more sane people than there are crazy people. Mm. Uh, I think the sane people are going to have to start getting as loud as the Dunning-Kruger sufferer. <laughs> Uh, I think that's the problem is that the really intelligent people, they kind of keep their mouth shut, which is what, what then they're saying about that. Like, um, what's the saying about being wise, but not opening your mouth then <laughs> like, there's a great, yeah. there, there's this great cartoon of this, um, guru and this guy's, and he says to the person, the, 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 the way to happiness is to not argue with fools. And the guy goes, I disagree. He goes, <laughs> you're right. Um, <laughs> And, and so I think we get into that. I think intelligent people are like, I'm not going to argue. It's, I mean, it is kind of stupid for me to argue with like, you know, an eight. One day I was in this long argument with this guy online and my wife was getting mad at me because I was spending all my time just viciously sending him papers and all stuff. And then I went and looked. She was like, who is he? I was like, I don't know. And so I went and looked on his profile. He was 19 years old. <laughs> and I'm having this like, you know, scientific debate. He's a bartender who's 19 years old. It's stupid for me to be debating with a 19-year-old bartender. That's a dumb thing for me to be doing. And so I think intelligent people don't get into these stupid arguments because they think it's stupid. They know they're not going to change their mind. And, but I think that they're going to have to start getting loud because because they're not the loud oh. people, the stupidity has become yeah. louder. Well, what just, just struck me is like your barrier to entry to writing a book was 15,000 Facebook followers. Right. And so I just went, I'm on your page now and I'm looking at this thing you posted uh, on August 5th, 7.46 a.m. about people quitting the Trump administration, blocking climate science. And you reached almost 20,000 people, uh, 95 comments, 80 shares. When I look down, Facebook shows me one comment of the 95. I can view more, but it says... One comment is, LOL, the only people who censor climate scientists are the alarmist hoax, hoaxers, conformist retards. Da, 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 da. Like, Facebook is, is trying to get, you know, they're, they're giving this guy the, yeah. the platform equal to yeah. yours. Right. And, and they, you know, what do I want to do? I want to write to you know, reply, you dumb mother. I mean, it's a, and isn't it so? It's amazing how influenced it, it, it all is by Trump because that, that that language he just uses so Trumpian, so uh, you know, like like not an, a, an intelligent argument or a comment, just you know, retards. I mean, come on, you know. But this is the kind of stupidity that's out there. Like, could that could that person who left that comment possibly know anything about climate science? Right. I mean, you, you know, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, no, there's a comment I really wouldn't answer. Right. But, you know, the fact that that we have algorithms, you know, business driven, profit driven algorithms that make me want to get into a fight with this guy, because then I'm going to spend more time on Facebook and and consume more ads. Right. And, you know, you mentioned Cambridge Analytica, which has been used for very nefarious political. Can you explain so quickly what Cambridge Analytica is? Because I don't I don't know that I could exactly. I mean, they were a marketing firm um, and, and they were a genius marketing firm. They got into uh, political science and they realized that they could control people's, they, they, 
they came up with a lot of like the lock her up kind of thing. That was a big thing that they would that they would populate and they would make Facebook posts about this and get people to share these posts. And they in the movie they show one um, successful campaign they had, and I can't. I'm forgetting exactly where it was, but there was a group of people. There were two groups of people. Um, there, I think there was an African population and an Indian population competing for the government. And the Cambridge Analytica people sat there and they said, you know what? We know that the Indian people are going to go and vote. They're going to go and vote. What we're going to do with the African population is we're going to run. They were, they were working for the Indian population. They're like, for the African population, what we're going to do is we're going to start a whole Facebook campaign. We're going to make it cool to not vote. And they had T-shirts and they had marches and they had they did this whole campaign about how stupid it is to vote. And guess what? They didn't vote and the Indian population won. So their ability to jump on this kind of like community type of thing, like let me get people all riled up about this topic. And we could get them to do just about anything. We get them to not vote for Hillary and and a not vote for Hillary was a vote for Trump in the end. Right. So and yet we're we are we are now beholden to these platforms to to yeah, a certain extent. We are. I just wonder if I'm hoping that we're starting to become a little bit more wise to it. I mean, the fact that people, you know, look, the, the fake Facebook accounts in the last election running just complete and utter, Hillary Clinton is running a child sex ring and a pizza um, restaurant. I mean, how could that be shared? But it was shared like crazy. This kind of stuff. I'm hoping that people have wised up to that a bit and realize you can't believe everything you read uh, on the Internet or believe. But I don't know. I mean, meanwhile, there's all these fake Garth Davises everywhere. And apparently people are believing it and sending them money. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe we are doomed. I, I, I got to say that I've become this whole battle and everything has left me a lot more pessimistic than I used to be. Well, can we talk about the fake Garth Davis thing? Because like you're you're like the most famous scammer in the world. It's crazy. <laughs> like someone someone took this picture, what, the, the picture of you. And like, yeah. like, what happened? Like, when did you realize this was happening? This was a thing. I mean, I started getting like some messages, you know, like, um, hey, I've been talking to you in Hangouts. I don't even know what Hangouts is. Uh, or, um, hey, you messaged me on Tinder and then I found you here. Said, no, it wasn't me. At first, I was like, this was weird. And then, you know, a few people, oh, someone's sharing your account. Then it just started becoming like, like literally, Howard, I'm not joking, thousands and thousands of messages coming my way. They they messaged my wife. Like one lady one night was like, do you know where your husband is? And my wife's like, yes, sitting next to me. No, he's not. He's not next to you. He's messaging me. And then she's like, no, he's literally sitting next to me right now. But they, the funny that these women are so convinced by these scammers that they think I'm faking it. You know, uh, it, it, it's preposterous. And they send them money. Like what doctor is going to friend someone on online and ask them for money? Um, but these women are, you know, old, lonely women that send these guys money and I guess are desperate for any affection. And how successful have you been in like stopping it, blocking it? Utterly not successful in the least bit. In fact, it's probably more now than it's ever been. Yeah. And this is, this is, I guess, on Facebook, on, on you know, dating apps, on Instagram. Everywhere. Like now, Words with Friends. And someone's like, are you playing a game with me on Words with Friends? No, I'm not playing a game with you on Words with Friends. It is insane. I At first, I thought this was an effort to discredit me, but... 
but I don't think it is. I think this is some kind of like big scammer thing. And I don't know what, I think they like doctors. You know, I got pictures of my white coat on. And so people relate to doctors. Um, I don't know why my account's been used so much, but it is uh, un unbelievable, the amount. Mm. Um, and it's been used successfully. Like the, the scammers are like winning. Yeah, it's I, saw like... an, I saw an article that I, <laughs> that I put down. Someone sent me from New Zealand where a woman gave a scammer $350,000. And because he said that he was going to move to marry her, but he needed 350 to get there and then he would get his millions out or whatever. And you go through the newspaper article and they show a picture of the scammer and it's me. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is happening all around the world. It's it's insane. Uh, but it just, you know, talks to how gullible we are as a population, how desperate we are to be loved and fit in and you know, to hear what we want to hear, even when in the back of the mind, we know it, it isn't true. Mm. I'm, I'm like, like really reaching for like a happy ending to this conversation. Yeah, I know. Depressed now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, look, there's good. Look, look, I mean, our plant based diet movement is strong as ever. Uh, Game Changers is coming out, which I think is going to be a really important movie. Um, there are all the fast food restaurants are starting to put in. Uh, plant-based meals climate is becoming an issue that people believe in and that are worried about uh i mean the whole straw movement as silly as it is because you know to to not use a straw but then to eat fish is hypocrisy at its greatest mm -hmm. but the fact that so many people got behind that movement means that people are interested uh in the environment and are making changes so th there's changes being made i do not think Trump is going to win the next election. Uh, if he does, I've lost all hope for humanity. And, and you mark it here. Listen to me. I will leave this country uh, if that happens. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think people are waking up. Yeah. We uh, can go to New Zealand and marry that lady. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. She'd give me 350 to move there. and I will marry her to get out of here. Uh, maybe I'll just start a career as a scam artist. Uh, but no, I, I really, I see, I see a positive, I, I've become a way more pessimistic human being than I used to be. Uh, but I do see a positive. I do see a change. I do see more and more people approaching me about plant-based doctors coming to me and asking me about it. Yeah. The American College of Lifestyle Medicine is booming. I, I do see a positive. Okay. The other thing I would say that, that fills me with, with, uh, optimism is and I'm I'm wondering if you've seen you saw this in Texas. I don't know if the population in Asheville is very different, but you know in Texas, in Houston, politically, people tend to be very conservative. I've seen so many people. Plant-based diet is like the um, the gateway drug to in, to thinking smarter. Very true. Right, like very people true. become much more progressive, much more open-minded, right. much less full of hate. Absolutely. And, and that was, that's what happened with me. It was a gateway drug because I went into it for health. I mean, all my research was on health. And then I started dabbling. Well, well look at climate science. Let me take a look at this. Wow. You know, plant-based diet, climate science. And then, of course, you know, you start thinking about the ethics of it and it changes you as a human being. You know? mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we like, yeah, things are going bad, but like we're we're in a really good position. Like the work we're doing in some ways feels more powerful than climate work, than social justice work, than all the things that I really deeply want to happen. It's like this little thing we're working on is like the key. If you're eating like, you know, the the product of such incredible cruelty and torture and, and inequality and murder, 
it's hard. Right. It's hard to have a heart full of love. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Yeah. All right. And how's um, how's Asheville? Did you, you, you know? <laughs> love it? <laughs> love it. Yeah. Love Asheville. Love the town. You know, it's a liberal town. There's they call it climate city. Though there's a lot of things they could do better for climate, but they're trying. Um, there's a lot of plant-based places to eat, a lot of like-minded people. I, I really love this town, so enjoying it. Cool. And do you have any? I know you and I have talked about maybe like doing more books. But I know you're really busy. Do you have a? Uh, you have other publication or or public persona plans to keep spreading the message? I don't. I you know this move has been a big move for me to Asheville, so I got to keep the practice going and. Uh, uh, we're planning on doing a lifestyle clinic here, but you know, my, my future is going to be towards this, you know, food and lifestyle and, and, uh, there will be more books that, uh, I'm going to have you help me on. And, uh, there will be some changes where we try to spread this message even further. All right. Well, awesome. Well, it was great catching up with you. And, great catching uh, you. Enjoyed the talk. Cool. Well, be well. All right. Thanks, Howard. Take care. All right. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much to Dr. Garth Davis for all of the work he does. If you haven't yet read Proteinaholic, as we said, we looked at it and we're both impressed. You can check it out wherever books are sold. Proteinaholic.com has all sorts of support material. It's got a protein calculator. It's got free chapters. Um, we don't have an updated all that often. Uh, we put up a post of... Uh, Dan Butner's replying to some uh, incorrect criticism of the Blue Zones just a, a week or so ago. But uh, the stuff up there is still good, still useful, and I recommend it. All right. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast and you'd like to support our mission, the easiest, quickest, cheapest way to do it is to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to support the show with a little bit more oomph, you can, of course, become a patron over at patreon.com. Even a dollar a month gets you access to all of my healthy habit huddles. People say that they're useful. They like them. And of course, I'll take uh, as much as you want to give. Um, there are tiered levels where you get different stuff, signed books, um, coaching calls with me, that sort of thing. Oh, I also got to let you know, in case you are not following Plant Yourself on Facebook, that I am doing daily weekday Facebook lives. They're usually around 15 to 20 minutes and they're interactive. People jump on and comment and ask questions. It's often me alone, but often me with Josh Lajani or Mer Goddess Sarah Bofinger, another well-start coach. Uh, Ron Tibbs has jumped in. Um, so getting guests as I can find them. We talk about how to implement a healthy lifestyle. You can also join the Facebook group at Sick to Fit and participate in discussions and get all sorts of good stuff there. Hey, I got three fun podcast reviews to share with you. One says, big fan. This is MSMEMW. Says, I love the content as it spans over food, health, wellness, policy, really wonderful guests and interactions. Sometimes the volume between the guests and host isn't level, and that's my only constructive critique. God, I know. I wish I, I, wish I were better at that. Um, anyway, if, if you're listening and you'd like me to get better at that, or more precisely, you'd like me to hire someone to be better at that, um, you know, support the podcast and 
every dollar I get goes back into the podcast to make it better. So um, I am certainly open to improving the audio quality. Um, anyway, MSM EMW continues always worth listening. Listening. Thank you for the array of guests, the vegan mechanics journey. And Bernie Roth are among my favorite episodes. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share that MSM EMW. Jenny any dots 2013 says it's inspiration and ideas abound best plant based podcast exclamation point and continues this podcast has made a profound impact on my plant based journey Howard and his guests always inspire giving more fuel for thought and further readings to explore can't wait for each week's episode exclamation point well thank you so much Jenny any dots 2013 and here is one it says love by Colleen Patrick Goudreau Love Howard even has taken listeners requests appreciate his transparency and kindness as an interviewing interviewer always inspiring in my plant based journey. So Colleen Patrick Goudreau is like a famous, amazing vegan activist, writer, teacher. And, you know, it's really easy to use anyone's name on your review. But if this really is Colleen Patrick Goudreau, I would love to thank you personally. So if you're listening to this, uh, reach out hj at plantyourself.com. And if Colleen, you have nothing to do with this review, please <laughs> let me know and I will uh, take it down and stop attributing it to you. So but in any case, thanks for all the work you do and for all the inspiration and guidance you give to the world. So in garden news, a uh, watershed moment this morning, I ate the very first cantaloupe that our garden has ever produced. It was, I have to say, Okay, <laughs> it, it had a you know it was sweet, it was juicy, it didn't taste great, but uh, hey, it's better than nothing, and uh, it's actually a lot better than nothing. It was it was pretty good. I, I stand by this. You might not want to be you know go back to that stand at the farmer's market if that's what you got, but if you're growing it yourself and you just put in a teeny little seed and you got three or four of these babies out, you'd be as happy as I am. Um, the blueberries are done. The grapes are not quite in. And I think that's about it for what's going on in the garden right now. In running news, I'm getting a little bit stronger. Josh was here over the weekend. We did a really hard for me run on Friday, about seven miles in the middle of the day because he arrived at the airport and we got, we got to go running around noon. So no respite from the sun. At one point I looked up, I thought it was raining, but it was just my hat sweating down the back of my neck. So uh, and I've been pretty pain free. I tried a Strasburg sock that I got at Fleet Feet and I had to take it off at two in the morning. It was driving me nuts. If you if you don't know what that is, you can look it up. It's sort of this weird contraption to point your toes up towards your face when you sleep so that your uh, calves don't lock out. Um, still still struggling with that, but I think also on the mend. All right. So thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use Sabali Dawn. The Dance of Peace is the theme music for this show. Check out willridenour.com for more of his beautiful chorus music. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Portner, Dominic Morrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Aaron, Jen Volkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle Axe, Elizabeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina Julianne Rollins, Stu Dolmick, Sarah Durkis, Rosa Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wim Peterson, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Bedham, Gila, Sarah David, Donnie, Blair Cyber, Dorinda Bizo, Gio, and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friester, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rose, Michael Warbeck. 
The equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lund, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lindman, Rise with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Malala Levine, The Inscrutable Harry R, Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corcoran, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, and Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzel, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Shell Rutledge, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolsland, Diat, Julie Lang, Home Hedegaard, Isa Susan Watt, Connie Hainline, Aaron Gurry, Alicia Davis, W. Villal, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Cheryl Lakoski, Plant Power for Health! Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Jack Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, The Beth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, and Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divich, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Humble, Deb Casilla, Ebony I. Canelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAdee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Cartz, Dean Bishop, Belvery Health, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Colleen Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore. Gunmar Ed Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Joan Borstein, and Diana Goldman for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. So if you appreciate the Plant Yourself podcast and would like to help support the mission of the show, there's a few easy ways to do it. One is to just go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Let other people know about it. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And that really helps us be found by more people. Something else, of course, you can do is let someone know about this podcast, someone uh, who you think would benefit. Send them maybe a couple of episodes that you think would uh, pique their interest or just uh, ask them to subscribe in general. And third, you can join arms and become a patron, a financial supporter of this show. You may have noticed that there's no advertising in the show and it's free for everyone and it's supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to make a one time contribution or an ongoing monthly pledge, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. All right. Time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barnes, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Fronsek, Jeanette Benham, Gila Sert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argentati, Jody Friesner, with Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harpers and Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon, Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Colm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzawak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, and Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divid, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan, 
Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Carson, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullich, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Avedible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends.